Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. look at Luke chapter 7 and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 10 and uh, then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Luke chapter 7 verse uh, 1 or chapter 7 verse 1 it says now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people he entered into Capernaum and a certain centurion servant was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a, a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these sayings, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. Dearly Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to be in your house and Lord, uh, with your people. Lord, I pray that you would have uh, free reign to do as you please that Lord that everything that's said and done would would glorify you Lord thank you for these dear folks thank you uh, for their friendship over the years thank you for their heart for for missions and and for the Czech Republic and uh, we thank you for that Lord we thank you for the friends that you give us all across this nation Lord I pray that you would uh, uh, bless tonight I pray if there's somebody here without Christ uh, Lord I pray that they would get saved uh, Lord and not put it off I would accept you as their personal Savior. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. In our story, it talks about a centurion, and, uh, which is a Roman soldier. He was over, uh, could be 80, 100 people, maybe even 1,000 people. And the Jews uh, generally didn't like uh, any, any Roman because they were the occupier, and uh, the centurions as well, any of them, they were, beyond that also, they were Gentiles, uh, they were um, pagan, and very, and the Jews had very little good to say about a Roman soldier or any of them. But in our, in our place here in Luke 7, it was an exception that you don't see anywhere else, but uh, the Jews spoke highly of this Roman soldier. And uh, we see that he was the exception. The Jews said, he loveth our nation. He built us a synagogue. And I personally believe that the centurion believed 
and uh, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Amen. And uh, I, had, I believe he believed in their God, and so that's why he built them uh, this. But we see in our story there was a day that a major crisis came into his life. It's amazing what a day may bring forth. Amen. Everything seems to be going fine, and then all of a sudden that one phone call or that one day changes it all. Well, we see here he had uh, someone that he loved. The Bible says it was very dear unto him. Uh, there, uh, dear unto him, it might have been a father figure or a son or a brother, we don't know, but somebody very dear uh, to him was about to die. He had a paralyzing, a crippling disease, and, and it had come in its latter stages, and it was about ready to take him. And uh, you can imagine uh, how it changed everything for him. But this man was, he was great with uh, the Jews. They thought highly of him. But his real success here that we see is that he was great with God. You know, the world might mock us. The world might say all kinds of things about us. But what, at the end of the day, what matters is what God thinks, amen, and what God says about it. And that's what we should be worried about, amen. Uh, we're not going to be standing and uh, being judged by man at the end of all things. We'll be standing before a holy and righteous God, amen. But we see here the centurion we see that God did great things with him in his life that I believe no doubt had changed him forever in, the, in, the, in these things. And, but it was all about his approach to Jesus that was vital in the great outcome that he, he had. His approach. God did something mighty for him. You know, in all the things that we can think about, and I was thinking this before I came up, of all the things that we can wish for as Christians, the greatest of all of them should be, I want to be used of God. Amen? When, when God uses us, that's what God says in Revelation 4, we were created for his pleasure. Amen? That's what we're here for. And uh, sometimes we lose sight of that or we, get, uh, we lose track of that. But Lord, use me, I pray, should be all our, our, our prayer tonight. And uh, so exciting uh, when God chooses to use us. And God uses, he does that by, through, and being a part of a local Baptist church. Amen. Amen. He uses, uh, he can use us through the Baptist church. Uh, he uses us through missions. And missions gives us the opportunity to God to use us. Amen. To funnel his blessings through us to others. And, uh, and so we see many things. I like what an old preacher said. And, and uh, he said, you know, uh, the, the church is not just a part of my life. It is my life. Amen? Without the church, we have nothing. We don't have our marriages. We don't have our families. We have everything because of the church. You also, I like to take that a step further with missions. Missions can't be just part of our life. It is our life. Our missions outside our door and, at, and, and abroad as well. So how did this, this centurion, his approach here, we see it in these 10 verses, his approach to Christ. And the way he did it was... It needs to be followed, his approach. It doesn't matter how you approach things, amen, amen. and how you approach the Savior. It'll, it'll make or break the, the situation. Uh, you know, I start, my ears start perking up when, when my, my daughters, I have still two daughters at home. I, after the wedding yesterday, I said they're going to have to at least wait at least 15 years, amen, uh, before the next one. 
I joke with them. I said, you can't even go on your first date to your 40, amen? And uh, they hugged me today, and they said, Daddy, we'll stay with you for a long time. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts, but anyways. But when my, my girls come up to me and say, Daddy, uh, uh, can I get you a paper, or can I get you this? And after a while, I start saying, okay, girls, what do you want, amen? And uh, the approach does matter, and our approach to Christ uh, does matter. We see that here. In, in our text, we see that he, as a result of his uh, his, his dear friend was about to die. He had sent out uh, the, the elder Jews to come to Christ. He heard that Christ was in the, in the neighborhood, we could say, and uh, to go and beseech him that he would heal his servant. The, this, this entourage, we could say, of these people that came to Christ uh, said that, G, that uh, this centurion was worthy for Christ to do this for him. He said he's worthy. He loves our nation. He's built us a synagogue. After a little while, he sent him another group of friends. I believe after he began to think about what he has done, he says he would begin to say, who am I to ask the Son of God, the creator of the universe, to come to me? Who, what, what was I thinking? And he told these people that he sent later, he says, I'm not worthy that you should come to me. And uh, whether, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. We see in this, his approach here, he came with great humility. Great humility. He said plainly, I'm not worthy. To, to not be worthy, uh, it simply means I'm not deserving. Amen. And there in Luke, we see of another man was said to be, had been the greatest. He still didn't brag. He still wasn't puffed up. The man John the Baptist there in verse 28 in, in John, or Luke 7 it says, therefore, I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not greater prophet than John the Baptist, for he that it is the least of the kingdom of God is greater than he. But he says, not greater prophet than John the Baptist. When I think about that, what did John the Baptist say? He said, I must decrease, amen, and he must increase. And that's why John the Baptist was able to do what he did. And, uh, and we see the great humility is needed. We say what humility is. Some people say humility is thinking uh, low of yourself. I like another definition. It's, it's, humility is not thinking of ourselves at all. Amen. Humility. Remove ourselves from the equation. In the Word of God, we see that the opposite of humility, you know, humility, the lack of it, it keeps us from approaching Christ like we should. The opposite of humility we see is the, the word pride. And the Bible says a lot about pride. Reminding myself, reminding us tonight, the Bible says pride goeth before destruction. Mark 7 talks about pride corrupts us. Over in Psalm 10 verse 4 says the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not uh, seek after God. God hates pride. I think mean, the most reason he hates it because it keeps people out of heaven. Amen? Pride was what's mentioned when it talks about the devil uh, falling. Pride was what was listed. You look at Proverbs and it talks about the six things that God doth hate. What's, that, what's the top of the list? Pride. Pride is. We know the well-known preacher by the name of Jonathan Edwards. The sins, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. He preached on this subject, and it's, it's, it's uh, really interesting to read the account of that. But he also wrote a pamphlet 
a fairly long pamphlet on the subject of pride. And he says it's destroying us. One preacher said this. He says, he said, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Amen. God resists to the proud, but give the grace unto the humble. What we see here in our story here this evening, he had sent them off to go to, to, to get Christ to come to heal his servant. And you can imagine as he was sitting there thinking about what he had done, and it says, Do, I'm treating him as though he's one of my servants. And so he sends somebody else and, and says, you know, don't need to come. All you need to do is say the word. Basically saying, what was I thinking? I like a song, you've heard it before, and my, my wife sings it uh, as well. But it's called, Who Am I? Who are we? Who am I that the king should bleed and die for? Why am I, uh, who am I that he would pray, not my will, but thine, Lord? The answer I may never know, why he ever loved me so, but to an old rugged cross he'd go, for who am I? Humility. Humility. So our, we see our look into the centurion's approach to Christ. He came with great Humility. I think our nation has gotten puffed up, amen. We forget where we come from. I get to see a different perspective because I've been 20 years in what was a former communist country. And during the communist years under preaching and teaching the, the communist manifesto and kicking God out of the country, out of families, out of society. And you know, when you take God out of society, God, the Bible tells that God is love. And when you kick God out, you kick in love out too. And what you're left with is something very dark, something very dark and destructive. And, 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 the, and what I see when I come back, and when you kick God out, you've got to replace that. And they made that yourself as the center of that world all of a sudden. Humanism. When you find communism, you find humanism. When you find evolution, you find humanism. And uh, everything revolves around me, myself, and I. Amen? And it's rampant there. And we come to America, we see that. Amen? And it's not here, but the world. And uh, we see that here. Humanism. Narcissism. Oh, ghosts. But we see here that in our scripture, he, he came with great humility, which led him to his success and God using him. But we see here that something else in verse 9. It says that Jesus heard these things about him talking about how he was not worthy in verse 7, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8. In verse 9, it says, when Jesus heard these things, when, when the centurion said, all you have to do is just say the word. When he heard these things, he marveled at him. And turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He didn't, he didn't say he found it, in, it in, in, the, in the Jews. He found it in a Gentile. He fully believed God, the centurion. Can that be said of us tonight? You know, we're going through this COVID and all these things. 
it, it's had to, we see it's rattled a lot of people. It's not careful, it's, it's rattling us. But we're, our eyes can't be out there, amen? Our eyes will be on Christ. And uh, you, know, you, know this, you know, this COVID-19 didn't take God by surprise, amen? You know what? God is still in control, amen? He still sits on the throne. I read the last part of the Bible, and, he's, and it says that we're going to win. Amen? We hear all the things that are going and taking place. And, uh, you know, we, I've, I've talked with Christians sometimes, or pastors, and, and uh, we're wondering how the end times and how that, the Lord coming back and how we might talk about how certain things need to take place before he comes back or how it's going to change, you know, it's going to have to change a lot. The COVID has shown me how fast things can change. Two months. Uh, there we had to do live broadcast too, and uh, uh, there for about two months, two and a half months, get on, on and live broadcast. At the beginning, I just I couldn't stand it. I, I had this camera right in front of me, and I said, uh, I never thought I'd be a tele televangelist. <laughs> uh, but God used it. I mean, we reached people that we normally wouldn't have reached, and uh, because of that. But uh, uh, our faith needs to be in God. Are we doubting what God can do and what he wants to do in our life? The Bible says, as it always has, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, he that cometh to God must believe, amen, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This evening, how is our faith this evening? Do we believe that God can? I remember uh, our Brother Seitler, I believe, preached on that. God can, amen. He turned around, can God? Yes, God can, amen. God is still in the saving business, amen. Uh, God can get us out of these places. Maybe we're sitting here tonight, there's something we're saying, how in the world am I going to get through this? Maybe you're a business owner and you're saying, I'm about ready to lose my business. Uh, what am I to do? God knows, amen. God has a plan, amen. And God is, is still the God, of, uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Amen. He has a plan for you, and he's going to get you through. He's going to get us through. I love this song. Uh, and uh, God didn't bless me uh, with a singing voice. I have preachers now that I'm back. They, I go to the church, and they ask me, uh, will, will you sing? I said, well, if you heard me, you wouldn't have been asking that. Amen. And uh, instead, God gave that a talent to my wife. And uh, I thank uh, God that she can sing. She was, she's had her voice has been gone for a little bit here, so she's not being able to sing so much, but uh, she sings a song, No Need to Doubt Him Now. Amen? No need to doubt him now. He'll make, some, he'll make it through somehow. I forget how it goes, but praise God. When it comes to souls, he can still cleanse of every stain and every sin. One of my favorite songs in the songbook is There's Power in the Blood. Amen? There's power, power, wonder-working power. Thank God. Where's our faith tonight? Where's our faith? If God is going to see us, to use us, it's used of God, it's going to be by faith. Everything takes a, a step of faith. I've had Christians, in the, and it's been a while uh, since I've been asked that, but I've been... I've gone to the back of a church after a service and somebody come to me and say, uh, I'm so glad that you're there because I don't think I could go there. 
And to me, that's wrong for a lot of different reasons. We should all be willing to go, amen. If God calls, he doesn't make a mistake, amen. He, 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 didn't, he didn't, well, he, God just doesn't know this or that or he knows. I believe God is still in the calling business. In the Czech Republic, there's four missionaries in the Czech Republic. There's, I've been praying and asking God to send people. And uh, uh, I think I've seen two called to the Czech Republic in the 20 years that I've been there. You th- I, I look at it and say, I believe that God has only called two. No, I believe God's called others. But they haven't answered the call. They haven't answered the call. Missions can't be done without faith. Anything God wants us to do takes faith. The last time I read my Bible in Romans 12, it says to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We cannot live a living sacrifice without faith. Amen. If a child of God cannot say, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, there's something wrong. This man came with great faith. Nextly, I want to see here, Luke chapter 7, not only was he great humility, great in faith, but I want to see here in verse 3, it says, when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him or begging him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, promptly, quickly. He knew that Jesus was in town. He knew his servant was about to die. And he knew that he needed God to do something. He sent his servants. He said, you go and find him. I don't want you going to the store. I don't want you going to the markets. I want you to go straight to him. And so when they got to town, they instantly, they immediately went to where Jesus was. They went speedily. They did not procrastinate. Why didn't, I mean, he didn't know how much his servant, how much longer he had to, leave, had to live. He, he might die any time. And so he said, I got to do it. I got to do it now. The Bible says in, in many places about how much time, how little time we do have. The Bible says, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Well, we're seeing that, haven't we? We tell the lost, you know, you don't have forever to live. Uh, you, you, you might die tomorrow. We tell you how our life is as a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanished away. You know, everything that we tell them is also applicable to us. Amen? We also have little time. You know, during this, this life, and I was reminded this not too long ago again that we have only on this life to reap rewards, crowns. Amen? Once we die and go to heaven, we'll never have that opportunity again. One of the scariest places to be, I believe, is, I mean, other than those that are cast into the lake of fire because they rejected Christ. But for a Christian that day, we stand before Christ. And it's maybe it's our turn, it's the next, we're the next in line to stand before Christ, to lay our crowns at his feet. And we see people with armfuls of crowns. And it's our time, and we stand before him, and we have nothing to lay at his feet. That's, that's, that will be a scary time. 
Stand before the one that did everything. Stand before the one who has his hands that were pierced for our salvation. Whose side was pierced, was riven with the spear. And we have nothing to lay at his feet. We only have this time, very short time, to work for Christ. That requires great speed. We use things as appointed unto man wants to die. I was reminded of this not too long ago about the shortness of life. We were praying for that God would bring us more missionaries. And at this time, God started taking them away. I said, Lord, this is going in their own direction. I began to pray for that God would send us more. I got a phone call, and uh, a very dear friend of mine was in northern uh, Bohemia in a place called Dietzin. During the communist years, it was very, very communist, very much influenced by communism. And uh, God called him there. He began to, people began to get saved, and uh, he was able to get a church started there. Good young man. I got a phone call about 9 o'clock at night, and his, his, uh, his wife was on the phone. And uh, he, she said, uh, uh, Brother John, this is like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. I said, what's the matter? I could tell she had been crying. And she said, uh, the ambulance is here. And they're about ready to, they're carrying, they're getting him ready and they're carrying my husband out to the ambulance. They tried to resuscitate him, but they could not. He's, he's died. They're on the field. I said, I, 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 didn't, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I said, May, I said, we'll be there as soon as we can. He had just had his 40th birthday, had died of a massive heart attack. Five children, his oldest child just had his 10th birthday. Those children will never know their father. And I, I dealt with that for a couple of years, and I said, Lord, why? I mean, he was needy. He loved his family. He loved the Czech people. And why would you have him leave? But God began to show me. He said, he said John, he said, you know what it is? He says, uh, Josh Norton, his life was 40 years. His life was 40 years. He lived, according to my plan, his full life. We think a full life is 70 and 80 or 90. But with God, it's, it's according to his plan. Amen. What we need to do for God, as must be today. Amen. If God wants to talk to someone, it needs to be today. Maybe it's that relative we haven't talked to in a while. God wants to do it today. Amen. He, actually, he went speedily with this message. We lost an opportunity in the Czech Republic. The walls went down. It's hard to believe it's been 30 years ago almost now or more then. In, in, in November of 1989, the walls went down in, in, in communist in East Bloc. And um, during this time, or leading up to it, the Jehovah Witnesses were seeing it coming. The Jehovah Witnesses began to print pallets and pallets and pallets of their literature. And when that wall went down, they immediately were there with their material. Within the first year, they made 25,000 converts in the Czech Republic. Because they were, they were eager because the wall, the wall was down. They had freedom now to go to churches. They didn't know what it was all about. And they, they flooded in these places. The, the, what I could find, the, the soonest the Czechs, or the soonest that a, a missionary was there in the Czech Republic was in 1993, almost four years after the wall went down. We lost an opportunity. We lost an opportunity. Maybe in some ways, maybe we're losing opportunities every day. 
Amen? We just don't know. Our job is never over. We're, we thank God for the ones that God allows us to lead to Christ. But then what about the next one? Amen? There's souls all around us. Paul says, I finished my course. We haven't ours. Tonight, how's our faith this evening? Do we have the centurion's faith? You know, sometimes God's saying, I want you to do this. And for a child of God, we know when God's speaking to us. Amen. He speaks loud and clear. He doesn't, he doesn't speak confusing. He tells us what he wants. But sometimes we put stumbling blocks up. We say, but what about this and why can't I do this? And God's saying, I want you to go. And we put these things in, in, in our path, in his past, keeping us from doing what God has told us to do. I like to how the centurion said, he says, just say the word and it's going to happen. The word of God is quick and powerful, amen, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I love the verses here, I believe it's here, the word of our God shall stand forever, amen. There's power. Lord, just say the word, and I'll go. I believe. Do we have the humility he had where God can teach us and speak to us? He was great with God because he was great in humility, great in faith, and great in speed. And because of that, God did the impossible. He brought basically his, his servant back to life. Tonight, in a, in a crowd this size tonight, there's no, there's no doubt things in our life that we feel like they're impossibilities. The last five, six months, has been, I've been asking people for an unspoken request. It seems a mountain so high, how can I possibly get over it or get through it? You know, God many times will don't want to take us out of the storm. He wants to be with us to see us through the storm, amen. He wants to be there with us in it. Sometimes in a storm, we're like holding our breath. Just get me through it. And then God don't want to like that. He wants to be with us every step of the way. Amen. I love this song that when compared to God, talking about David, when compared to God, our giants, our mountains seem so tall. And giants seem so tall, but compared to God, everything's small. How are we tonight? There's got to be things in our life we're saying how we're going to get through. But God can get us through. Trust him. Only trust him. Trust him now. Amen. Trust in him. How did the story end? In verse 10 it says he received a miracle. God's still in the miracle business tonight. Amen. He received his sick well again. To be used of God is, should be our greatest aspiration as a child of God. We see some, God using somebody else. We should almost jealousy in a way and say, God, you're using them. Why aren't you using me? Maybe there's things in our life that ought not to be there. Maybe we've thrown up things in our life that's keeping God from doing what he wants to do in and through us. I'm almost done here. You remember Peter? A lot of times Peter gets a... a Peter gets a... I don't know what the word is. Being in, in, I'm not used to being around English all the time. But Peter, he, was, he gets a, a bad rap sometime, I guess we can say. He was in, a, in, a, in, a, in the boat, and he asked the Lord if he could come out and walk on the water. Remember that? We always talk to Peter how he, he went out of the boat, he, and he, he started sinking, and how dare he, amen? <laughs> 
But he was the only one willing to get out of the boat. Everybody else stayed in. And he had, he, we could say in some ways, he had great expectation and aspiration. He was going to walk to God. And he was going to walk the spiritual walk. And he was going to go see Christ. And then th- something happened between him and the, the, between the boat and Christ. He began to get, get his eyes on the storms. He began to get his eyes on things that ought not to be on. He looked at the, the, the waves and all of a sudden, look how, how big they are. Look how high they are. Look at the skies. Look how dark they are. And he began to sink. You know when things began to change back for him? He got his eyes back on God. Amen. And then God reached down and he grabbed him. Maybe God's wanting to reach down to us tonight. Maybe there's somebody here God wants to reach, but we got to put our, our eyes back on him again. He's there. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. That's never changed and never will. Amen. Keep me near the cross. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the attention of these dear folks. I thank you for their heart for you and their desire to serve you with their hearts and their life. Lord, I pray you'd bless the invitation. Have your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen.